Hello, and welcome to the Viva Wellness Podcast. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you're having a good whatever day it is that you're listening to this. Um, spring, officially, right? It wasn't, was it spring still officially spring? I mean, it was officially spring, but I mean, like, weather-wise. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like the last time we recorded this, it was still, like, cold. Actually, we just had, like, a 30-degree windchill day here in New York City not that long ago. Yeah. I mean... I think it's all par for the course for spring. That's fair. Right. Well, regardless of the weather near you, (laughs) we hope you're enjoying spring so far and hopefully you've gotten some more sunshine and a little bit more warmth if that's your jam and gotten to go outside a little bit more than maybe we have over the early spring and winter. Mm -hmm. We want to have a conversation today about a topic that both Fortunately and unfortunately, it's fortunately that we're talking about it, but unfortunately that we have to. A topic that's been in the news still almost a year after the George Floyd protests were really amped up, Um, right? That was the end of last May. I don't have any concept of time. Mm, I'm not sure. Right? That sounds about right. I remember it was May, but I also heard people say June again. I don't know what time is anymore, but let's just say it's about a year And I think that really has marked a turning point in this country for social justice awareness Uh, for a lot of people Mm. can argue whether or not that should have been your awareness point. But for a lot of people, it was for better or worse. Mm. And I think over the course of the last year, which maybe isn't something that everyone suspected when this started, we're still talking about it. Mm. And I think in part, it's a good thing, like I said, because it's an ongoing conversation. And there are some of those people who posted the black squares on Instagram. Um, It was the end of May because the black squares happened in early June. Okay. That's not relevant, except it makes me feel better that I like have some type of concept of time. Mm. But some of those people who posted the black squares are still interested in learning and they're still open to conversation and trying to do better. The unfortunate reason I think we're still talking about this is because things are still happening. George Floyd, unfortunately, was not the last incident of police brutality. Mm -hmm. Um, Hate crimes against Asian American people have really escalated over the past year plus. Mm -hmm. And so this continues to be an ongoing conversation. So something that I personally have noticed is that there's a lot of concepts that are talked about, like systemic racism and just even social justice as a whole, without people really getting into the weeds and having real conversations as to what that means. It's almost talked about in like a very academic sense, like systemic racism, Mm -hmm. like quantum physics. Um, And I think what ends up happening is that unlike quantum physics, which I don't know, maybe some of you feel really strongly about quantum physics. It's just a very loaded topic for you. It's not just kind of taken as face value because there's just so much more involved emotionally and mentally than just like learning about like a theorem in math, for example, Mm -hmm. even though these terms are very academic in some senses and then have like very clear definitions. I think what ends up just happening is that people are presenting the kind of academic definition of them without actually getting into the weeds of, okay, so what does this mean and why should you care? Mm -hmm. And what does this look like in day-to-day life? Because unfortunately there are a lot of discrimination deniers and I mean for the alliteration but it kind of works Mm. um where I've just seen a lot of but what about comments 
well, but then how do you explain this, right? Like if racism is real, if sexism is real, if homophobia is real, what about this? What about that? Well, I don't assault people in the street. So like, I'm not racist and how Mm -hmm. dare you tell me I am. And I think one of the many reasons why those conversations keep ending that way or going in that direction is because a lot of mainstream media doesn't really get into like the depth of, of really challenging people's assumptions. And I'm going to say that, you know, everyone in this country and and a lot of the world was born into a racist society, which obviously is not your fault, but it is your fault if your mind is not open. That being said, I think a lot of outlets maybe need to do a little bit better in really helping people understand and like just stop talking around the issue, but rather get into the hard conversation. So that's what we're going to try to do at least a little bit today. So the first thing I think we should define is just this idea of systemic racism in general, because a lot of the conversation has turned towards, yeah, I understand that you might not be calling people slurs, but systemic racism is this massive problem. Meaning the system in which we live in, the systems in which we function are inherently racist, they're sexist, they're homophobic, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. And maybe it's just me and Gerald, maybe you have a different perspective. Maybe that a huge part of the problem is that I don't know that people really don't understand what that means. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I have to be honest, I, I have a bit of a hard time because <clears throat> I don't know if it's that people don't understand what it means or don't want to understand what it means. Oh, that's fair. Um, because when I think about racism, actually the first thing that I think about and, and I think that most people think about is that those terms are actually interchangeable. Like when we're talking about racism as a topic and as a theme, as a lived experience, as what we're actually talking about is systemic racism, which is that there are, I think beyond policies, there are thought processes and perspectives that inherently are embedded in systems like capitalism um, and many other systems that Um, inherently disenfranchise people of color and black folks in particular, especially if we're talking about in the United States specifically. Um, So yeah, when people are talking about racism, what they're actually talking about is systemic racism. racism. They're talking about how that manifests in workplace environments, how that manifests in, you know, um, lending practices for credit, for loans, for housing, for, um, how neighborhood resources are distributed, um, school funding, um, all those sorts of things is what people are really talking about when they're trying to, at least in a macro, macro level, talk about racism, at least to me. Yeah. And I think that's a good point that you make that they're combined where, cause I think a lot of people separate them. Like mm-hmm. racism almost is like, again, like I'm not calling people slurs in the street or throwing rocks at trans people. So therefore I'm not transphobic. I'm not racist. Whereas, and then systemic racism becomes this like big idea, for example, that like, well, like I don't control the system. So 
I don't know. Right. And then I think you're yeah. right to some extent, whether consciously or unconsciously, people kind of then give up. They're like, mm-hmm. I, that's big. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't control these things. And then they're done without realizing that they play a role in it by kind of just like going on the conveyor belt, right? Like you're not stepping yeah. off the systemic discrimination conveyor belt. You're still on it. And by doing that, like you are perpetuating this machine that keeps going on. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a fair point that like they're actually not different because the big systemic stuff is what leads to people thinking it's okay to like throw rocks at people, for example. Yeah. And I I like to think about it. And maybe this is also me being like a a therapist and trying to give people a little bit of space to hold things. Um, Because I think it's hard for people to hear that something they're doing or thinking is racist when they otherwise think they are a good person. Right. Um, So uh, I just want to introduce the idea of being an agent. Um, So we are all agents of certain practices and certain systems, unless you intentionally decide to not be an agent of those systems. And that actually takes a lot of work. Um, a lot of intentional work. And a lot of that work is not what you see publicly, but is really personal heart mind work. So this idea of being an agent of racism is the default. And so then you have to work to actively become anti-racist or to leave um, behind being that agent that you're sort of brought into inherently i think yeah and i would add too yeah that it's lifelong so there's a joke kind of in the running community where it's like oh you're running 10 miles what are you training for and life (laughs) the point being like there you just oh i'm just running right i'm running till i die um and even though there might be like specific milestones or goals like that's the purpose of this it is an ongoing lifelong journey that we have signed up for Mm -hmm. i think it's very similar You're Mm -hmm. never going to be not racist, not sexist, not homophobic, because Mm -hmm. we all grew up in these systems. You can be better, but unless you have that lived experience, like you can't be perfect at it. And even if you do have a lived experience, sometimes you say some messed up things. Mm -hmm. And I think also looking at it that way can take some of the edge off Mm -hmm. this idea of like, you're doing something wrong. Like we're all doing something wrong sometimes. Correct. And that's okay. As long as you're willing to accept that feedback, take in new ideas and then apply it out. Um, Kind of very similar to interpersonal relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't ever assume that you'll never offend somebody because how you say something can be taken totally different from the way by someone else, from the way it was meant and you're like, oh, I had no idea, right? Because you're not in their brain. Right. And usually, unless you're doing something egregious, like the relationship equivalent of like hurling insults at someone, the other person is receptive if you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, my bad. I'm going to try to keep that in mind next time. Mm-hmm. And like, that's usually the end of conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very similar. Just like apply that theory to the world. <laughs> Yeah. And I think the thing to also keep in mind is that for people, if you're coming from uh, an otherwise like privileged position in a conversation, so like you're, you hold like this sort of quote unquote majority status, right? And you make a mistake. You say something that someone else perceives as racist or sexist, transphobic, ableist, et cetera. 
then um, it's, I think you have to be prepared for, um, to not be presented with grace in that moment. Mm -hmm. Because I think the thing that we often get tripped up on is sort of like being good or well-intentioned people and then getting that feedback and then tripping heavy, right? Because your ego takes a hit and you're like, no, 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 no. Like, why are you so angry? Why are you this? Like, that's not what I meant. You need to chill. And we start to like dole out all these like really invalidating remarks because we're, you know, it strikes us really deeply. And I think what people in those majority kind of statuses need to realize is that when you do what you might see as an oops, right, in the moment, that person, the other person on the receiving end has probably had that oops happen a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And it may have happened three times already that day. Um, and so what you're being presented with, like whatever the response is, I think it's important to be conscious and approach that with some compassion to understand that some of the vitriol you may be getting is not just about you. Right. It's about the system. Um, right. And it's about the incessant nature of the system. And it's because that's really, really hard to deal with. Yeah, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. um, regardless of which minority mm-hmm. status you hold. And mm-hmm. I think it's also important too, and this kind of just transitions into like the systemic injustice, systemic racism, systemic homophobia, et cetera. Um, it's just so much. Mm-hmm. And it's often all the time. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to talk about a lot is this idea of how it manifests itself. Like it's not, it's not just this simple thing of like, oh, you know, what do we hear about all the time of like the, the instances in which like somebody won't bake a cake for a gay couple getting married. Mm. Um when you hear things like that, it feels like, oh, it's that one bakery at this one moment. And like, sure. I I don't know that a lot of people are walking around asking people for cakes and getting denied all day long. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe that sounds sad, but it's more, there's always things that fall into that category of like, oh my God, I have to deal with this again. Mm -hmm. It adds up. And I think that is from the perspective of both of us being therapists, why we want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I get very upset when people kind of just shrug this off. I'm like, no, 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 this is a healthcare issue. Mm-hmm. Like if you are in the healthcare professions or you care about healthcare, like this should, needs to be your issue because most people besides this like very small subset of humans mm-hmm. have something in this category that they deal with whether you're a right. woman or you're a person of color whether you have a medical condition you are a member of the lgbtq community you consider yourself a member of the fat community like any mm-hmm. there's a, so many people more people have something than not right and so at the end of the day like it just screams very loudly and dances around when you're talking about any other life issue. It might not be the sole reason, but like it is a part of it. And so it is a bigger issue than I think a lot of people who hold positions of privilege want to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is why we want to break it down. So I wasn't going to use this example because I think it's very New York specific, but 
the best one I have right now. Mm. So in New York City, for people who don't live here, we have specialized high schools. And I'm sure that brings up a lot of questions for people who don't live here. Just go with it. There are specialized high schools you have to test to get into them. Historically, the arguably best of the specialized high schools has this really abysmally low number of Black students admitted. Mm-hmm. This year, it was eight. There are not 10 people in the school. Not now. percent. Eight right, not percent, people. Eight, eight people. Right. It is a large school. I, I'm admit I don't have the student body enrollment numbers off the top of my head, but it's a large school. And it's like a very small percentage of the people who applied got in. So it doesn't match the number of people who tested in to get into the school. It's like 20 something percent of people who tested in were black and like only eight got in. It's it's not cute. Mm-hmm. And this happens often. This is like an every year problem. It's yeah. getting worse, actually, not better. Yeah. Problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing's problematic. But anyway. Right. So how is the systemic racism? Okay. So you kind of have two choices to explain this phenomenon, right? And I use this example because even though it's very New York City centric, it, it illustrates a pattern. Every year, there is this crazy low number of Black students admitted to this school, despite the fact that there are more people taking the test. Okay. Either something is going on in which the system that administers the test, that set up the test, that allows people into the school, the education system as a whole. Mm-hmm. Either something is going on in the system that is giving Black students a disadvantage, mm-hmm. or Black students are inherently dumber. Right. You kind of can't explain it any other way. Right. Right. Is it a coincidence? Well, no, because this keeps happening every year and has happened for several years in a row. So it's not like a fluke one year of that, like, oh, wow, it just happened to be the roll of the dice that in 2021, there's only eight black students that are worthy of this school, which would be weird in and of itself. But you can't even call it that because this is something that happens year after year after year. Um, Black maternal mortality rates is another thing that falls into this category. They are much higher than white mothers giving birth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so either black bodies are inherently flawed or there's something happening in the medical system. Like there's not really another way to explain it. You kind of have to fit into one of the two categories. So this is why people keep saying that either you're on board with this idea of systemic racism or you're kind of racist because like otherwise what you're saying is like these black students are dumber than the other kids that get in, Mm -hmm. which is literally the definition of racism is that you're saying that a race is inferior in one way to other races just by being of that race right so also white supremacy just to connect that line for people right right so there's not really another way to explain that just logically speaking almost like even taking as much of the emotion as you can out of it you gotta pick a side and so i'm wondering if you don't want to go on the side of like black people are dumb, which like cool because that's not true. Right. What's what's stopping you from really sitting with this idea of like, well, then the system has to be a problem mm-hmm. because what else would the explanation be? Right. And there's many more examples than the ones I just gave. Yeah. Um, LGBTQ youth are much more likely to be homeless. Right. Are they all like just? blowing up their homes. Like, I don't think that's a thing. There has to be something happening. Right. 
there's so many examples of this, right? Why are women paid less? Because right. we're all horrible workers and dumb. Right. Coincidence? Like, can't really use that for something that's gone on for decades. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is just kind of these real life examples of it's just so in your face of that there has to be the systemic problem, which I think brings to the question, why are so many people resisting that idea? Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I think that um, on an individual basis, there is a, a lot of nuance about like, you know, we talk about this in, in therapy all the time about, you know, what, why would you, um, why would you be making said choice or invest in said system if there are these negative consequences, right? Um, it's that people always benefit from a choice, yep. right? You maintain certain things because there's a benefit. And this is like, I, I'm kind of laughing because this is something I often fight with clients about, <laughs> not actually fight. I was but... going to say, not, not this fight. We just got to clarify right. that for anybody. But like, right, like... Don't take our licenses away. Nobody's <laughs> fighting with clients. Right. Like just like, but working through like the brain work of like, well, why would I do something that is harmful? I'm like, that's a great question. Let's get into it, right? Right. Because in at some point, there's something that is being addressed by that. Like there's some benefit. It's hard to see on the surface because it's most of the time not superficial, actually. Um, it actually goes quite deep. And so I think um, that's something we talk about in like individual therapy a lot. So, but on the macro level, it's a similar thing in that there's a reason why these systems persist. There's a reason why we continue to invest in said, sim- said systems. Um, and a lot of it, I think, is that, or, or belief systems, not even just necessarily institutions, right? But belief systems as well is that we do get a benefit. Um, and so that, I think that really examining like, okay, so what is that benefit? What is the privilege? What is the... What is the advantage that I have that maybe it actually really scares me to think about letting go of? Yeah. And I'm going to help people a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, it goes back to this idea of being uncomfortable and avoiding that. It could be simply that. Yeah. If you're, and that's very broad, I understand. And I know that there are more specific situations in which people can point to a very tangible benefit. Right. Um, But it's about being uncomfortable because if you're a person who holds some type of privilege and you're sitting there and you're like, holy crap, I didn't look at the world this way. I didn't realize that this thing that I thought was totally fine and normal actually is really harmful to a very large group of people. That's a horrible realization. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not a good time. Um, and I've said this to people before that being woke and I'm putting that in quotes because I don't like that term, but that's what people know right. is actually kind of terrible in a lot of ways quite painful you're angry a lot of the time and you realize how messed up the world kind of is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's frustrating um it it just a lot of times like i'm just gonna be real a lot of times it's not fun yeah but the absence of that is actually harming human beings. People not looking at the world the way it is because it isn't fun is harming human beings. And so we do it anyway, right? Once you kind of realize it, you're like, well, this is why I'm mad because otherwise I'm perpetuating harm to humans and I don't want to do that either. So here we are. 
And so once you get those thoughts to be like, wow, I've unintentionally or unknowingly been participating in these things that are actually really harming other people or not viewing the world in a lens that is realistic and aware of other people's experiences, that's a really icky feeling. And it also expands out really far. Like it's in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a blog post that I wrote that we can actually link to in the show notes that just kind of asks some basic questions of like, hey, why do we do this? Like Mm -hmm. here, look, here are all the things that like when you're woke, you look at differently. Mm -hmm. It's not great. But like I said, otherwise it's harming humans, but nobody wants to sit with that feeling. And so I think if you don't have to, and a lot of people are in the mindset of if I don't have to be uncomfortable, why would I be uncomfortable? If you hold a position of privilege, you don't have to. And I think a lot of people decide not to, whether consciously or unconsciously, because the alternative is to be really uncomfortable and feel really icky. Mm -hmm. So I challenge you that if you can relate to that, to sit with that, with the idea of one of the coolest Peloton instructors, because she has two pit bulls. I mean, she's great, but she has two pit bulls and she posts them on Instagram a lot. And so I really appreciate her. Um, one of her phrases in classes is no ego amigo. I just, I just think that's great, but it applies here because like put the ego aside, you're not a terrible person. You're not the demon. You are a product of your environment and an agent, right? An agent. Every time you say that I think of inspector gadget. And then I have to remember he was an inspector, not an agent, but he was an agent. Was he not? (laughs) Right. Yeah, so like, yeah. that's what I, I hated that song for the record, like the theme song to Inspector Gadget. Mm. I hated it anyway. Uh, almost as bad as Mr. Rogers, who also I found super creepy, but I digress. Mm. It's not about you and it's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to be unpleasant, but it will save lives. It will mm. benefit people's experience. It will make them feel more accepted to be themselves. It will lead to better health outcomes because people won't be so exhausted all the time. They will seek out medical care, thus not delaying treatment for potentially treatable conditions. The impact just goes on and on and on and on. And so keeping that in mind of that when those uncomfortable feelings start, instead of running away from them, sitting with them to say like, okay, it's not about me let me sit here and let me do the work as people say. And -hmm. I think that can be just a helpful reframe instead of just feeling really crappy about yourself, just acknowledge it, own it and stay there. Yeah. And it happens a lot. um, Like that, that, um, that injury in that moment happens a lot in just like everyday conversations. Um. And so just to introduce like another term or idea, there's this, um, you know, term called like a microaggression, which some people may have uh, been exposed to, which is really like those, um, and there are a lot of different like subsets of that. There's microaggression, there's micro invalidation, there's micro assaults. Um, So as to avoid getting into the weeds, um, we'll just use the umbrella term of like microaggression Um, But these are ways in which this kind of that those privileges or those belief systems happen in everyday conversations. And so I have an I have an example. I was talking to someone recently and um, we were just talking about like different 
couple's um, pairings and they said something about, oh yeah, there was this lesbian couple and then there was this difference because they're you know different than normal relationships. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there it is, right? Is that when you are positing or positioning a lesbian relationship as different or uh, a heterosexual relationship as normal, what you're then is othering um, a lesbian relationship or you're othering a queer relationship, right? And so that would be an example of a microaggression. I know this person didn't mean anything by it, but in that moment, you have to, like, that's the moment where it's like, oh, this is, this is the system showing up. This is the belief system pouring into an otherwise like good conversation. And so that kind of belief system you know, extends out and it's not just around that specific issue, but that's an example of how it can infiltrate these really small moments that does negatively contribute to the health uh, and wellness of the people around you, right? Because mm-hmm. then if you extend that out into the system, you say like, all right, we have normal relationships, then we have the queer relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Then you extend that outward and you say like, okay, so if that's normal and this is abnormal, what does that mean for people's right to X, Y, and Z, right? What does that mean for how we view representation of relationships in television and in public spheres, right? You can see how it that extended out and obviously infused with a lot of bigotry can become this thing that is like, well, um, I don't wanna see that because that's not normal, right? Or like these people don't deserve these kind of rights because this is abnormal, right. which some people will send out to be wrong, right? And so that's where it kind of works in this bi-directional relationship if you don't um, address it. Yeah. And I would also add to where that's actually a good one because it was a obvious yet somewhat subtle. Like I think mm-hmm. a lot of people could have heard that in normal conversation and not, and like if you played Roll by regression, wouldn't yeah. have necessarily caught it. Yeah. Um, to give one that's like even more subtler, mm. um, I'll speak from my personal experience as well mm. in that I had the thought the other day as things are opening, we can go places, we can do things. And the one thing I thought of that I have not missed is as someone who manages chronic pain and how a lot of it has to do with sitting, <laughs> sounds strange, I understand. I have not missed having to size up the seating at various events and like stress over Mm. who I have to explain myself to in order to make sure that I'm not sitting in a situation that's going to cause a flare up of something. Right. When I'm at home and only with like the people closest to me who already know and are respectful, I haven't had to do that. But now it's about like, oh, okay, well, you know, if someone invites me to a concert, for example, okay, I got to tell them, hey, like, actually, if you're buying the tickets, here are my requirements, or just, Mm -hmm. you know, just let me do it. Don't worry. Don't ask why. Please don't ask why. Just let me take care of it. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a situation where it's like, hey, you know, come join a dinner or a hangout with a bunch of other people at like a restaurant or a bar. Oh, okay. Well, but there's like 10 strangers who don't know that maybe I can't squeeze into the seat and maybe like, nope. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. Is that worth it? Right. Because the world does not operate 
in a way that takes people who have any type of accessibility, just mm-hmm. put it in a blanket term, concerns into consideration. Mm-hmm. Like the world doesn't do that. No one is going to look at a crowded restaurant table, which like COVID was this one of the biggest blessings is that we stopped trying to cram people into places. Um, <laughs> because that was my biggest thing of like, hey, actually, so you've sat five people at a table for four instead of a table for like five or six. And so like, I actually can't sit in the small space. And now I'm explaining my medical history to a host at a restaurant. Right. Um, cool. I have not missed that. Right. It has been a great year without that in place. It's been a crappy year in other ways, but that is something that would fall under this category because they're like little pokes right? Where like, Mm -hmm. imagine if you took a safety pin and like poked at people multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. The first like five pokes might be like, this is irritating, but like not really impacting my day. Mm -hmm. The like 2000 pokes later Mm -hmm. over the course of like a week or a month, you are like homicidal and ready to just like throw the person with the safety pin into some type of hole. You're Mm -hmm. exhausted and you're traumatized. You're like primed for it. When's the poke happening? When's this going to happen? Should I go, should I do this? Should I do that? Like what happens if I put myself in this situation? Am I going to get poked? Yeah. By the end of the day, you're just like, screw it, man. Like I just Mm -hmm. need a nap and a martini. Like it's exhausting. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think that just highlights, right, like the, how, like, you can respond, right, to all of those pokes, you know, and people respond in some, like, preservative, but maybe sometimes unhealthy ways, because that's the only resource you feel like you have available to you, right? right. Like, isolation, substances, um, X, Y, and Z, the list goes on, and so you can see how the impact of these moments, like, accumulate and how it actually impacts people negatively. Right. And, and that's the, that's the point. That's the real point. And especially when that happens and let's say it's unknowing because, mm-hmm. you know, like we said earlier, if you're not in that lived experience, you're going to have a lot of blind spots, mm-hmm. but then if the person addresses it and then is met with pushback or questions yeah. or eye rolls or don't be so sensitive now what? Right. You kind of just like slam the door on any type of hope mm-hmm. of it getting better. And this right. is why it's a healthcare issue. Yeah. And this is why it's a bigger issue than just like, oh, you know, no big deal. So the one bakery wouldn't make your wedding cake. We'll just go to the other one. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger deal than that. And that okay. those microaggressions are usually how this discrimination is played out. Mm-hmm. You hear on the news about like police brutality and awful situations where people are murdered in their homes. And don't get me wrong, that is atrocious. But that's not the norm. And that's right. not it. Right? right. Most people are impacted by those microaggressions or by those subtle digs or pokes. And that is not nearly as instantly tragic as someone like bursting into your house in the middle of the night while you're trying to sleep and mm-hmm. shooting you. But they do add up to more longer term problems and they happen significantly more frequently. And the problem is, is when the people who are experiencing them have the courage to address them, they're often shut down. Right. And this goes back to the cycle of like, mm -hmm. hey, systemic racism is actually a thing. Systemic discrimination is a thing because otherwise, if all of these people are saying the same thing, it's either an inherent problem with their group or we have a problem with the system. Right. 
right? So imagine, you know, from the privileged person or the, the person with majority status, imagine that someone is getting that poke ever since they were conscious of <laughs> life, <laughs> right? They're probably not going to be very nice about it. <laughs> um, and we'll, you know, have a range of ways to cope with that um, and respond and react to that. And, um, you know, and it's obviously, I think that applies to all of those different things, right? Whether it's like being born with darker skin or uh, being assigned the wrong sex at birth or developing a condition later in life um, that, you know, really changes how you experience the world and having to deal with those pokes all the time. It adds up. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's what I guess we're encouraging people, we're encouraging everyone to think about, you know, where where and how are you an agent of the systems? And is that something that you want to continue to perpetuate? Um, or do you want to change it? Because you can better the lives of the people around you and contribute to the well-being of the greater society as a whole if you can tolerate being uncomfortable in those moments. Yeah. And the people who are not getting the poke in that particular area, right? Because everyone holds different reference groups, right? Mm -hmm. A man of color obviously does not experience the sexism a woman might in that particular right. area. Just like that woman, if she's white, might experience sexism, but doesn't experience racism, right? So depending mm -hmm. on the category, the person not being poked has much more energy and power to speak out compared to the people who are. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of the next level of like, what do you do with this realization? And maybe that's a different podcast episode. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why people are always saying it's very important for the people who are not experiencing the discrimination to care mm -hmm. because they're the ones that will help. Right. And, yeah. you know, they aren't expected to get it as much as somebody who lives it, but they can get it enough to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest place that that comes from is just keeping in mind that your life experience is not everyone's life experience. Like mm -hmm. if you take nothing else away from this, just take that away from it. The way you see the world is not how everyone else sees the world. And so just remembering that the next time someone tells you either directly or you see it on social media or in the news, hey, this is a problem. And you're like, it's not a problem. I don't think it's a problem. I've never experienced it's a problem. Wonderful. Congratulations. Your life experience is not indicative of everyone's life experience. And just right. remembering that I feel like really helps you keep an open mind to, huh, maybe there is a different way to look at this, even though I have not personally experienced this perspective. Mm -hmm. believe people when they say things to you yep. essentially is another way to put it yep so we hope this was helpful um we hope it made you a little bit uncomfortable if that is the place that you needed to be and hopefully it was something that inspires you or motivates you to be uncomfortable in this area more often especially as the world is what it is today and mm -hmm. has been for a long time but i guess more outwardly is today um and yeah, and just, you know, ask questions, do the work, um, nice questions, not loaded questions. I learned the term sea lioning the other day. I have no idea what that is. 
Okay, so I had neither. And I'm actually, to be fair, not entirely sure why it's sea lioning. However, mm. I never, I always knew this was a thing, but I never knew this had a name. So sea lioning is like the questions that people ask, like to be provocative in uh. like cloaked in this idea of like, oh, but I'm trying to learn, but actually like you're just trying to push people's buttons mm. where it's like, you know, I can't even think of an example, but it's like, oh, you know, that idea of a woman comes up and says like, yeah, this person like said something really inappropriate to me at a bar. Like this guy hit on me and he was super creepy. And like her guy friends, like, oh, you know, like, are you sure? Like, are you sure he didn't just mean it nicely? Like, are, aren't mm. you at a bar to flirt with people? Like, I don't understand. Mm. And then if mm-hmm. somebody gets offended, they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like I'm genuinely asking, but mm-hmm. like, are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why it's called sea lioning because sea lions are yeah. like, I was like, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to figure this out. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> saw it when, like, I will admit, this is me. Like, with my, I saw this like a couple weeks ago, so I'm not entirely mm-hmm. like remembering the, all the details. It's just a summary. But sea lions are great and should not be associated with such atrocious behavior. That's right. Um, but I thought that was really interesting because that does happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't do that. Right. Ask genuine, thoughtful questions both of other people because hopefully you have diverse people in your life not token people but like mm-hmm. actually important diverse people and if that's not appropriate ask it to books google mm-hmm. resources podcasts um events talks lectures ask questions get answers and just learn be open um and i think if we've inspired even one person to do that i'll call this podcast a win yeah for sure So thank you again for joining us. You can follow us on social at Viva Wellness NYC. Um, Do all the really fun, helpful things you do to podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, share with a friend. And we hope you will join us next time. Bye.